Hello everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the Beyond Bitcoin Show. Today is February the 8th, 2020. <laughs> Strong hand. What do you think I'm going to say? Five-digit realm. Unconfiscatable. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. Deferral of gratification. Golden age. We're going to talk about that. Relentless. Okay, people, avoid mediocrity, principles over practicality. Oh, yeah. Hello, my elite friends. Remember, this is the Beyond Bitcoin show. I will mention that we entered the five-digit realm again. We'll talk more about that on Sunday. You really shouldn't be going that crazy because we were already in that five-digit realm state of mind, okay? We were, we, we've been here before. You just got to get used to it. We might go back to the four-digit for a while, but we're, we're really already in the five-digit round state of mind. Now we're in the reality. Yeah, maybe the having hype is going on. Maybe it's the coronavirus. Having hype, baby. Pound that like button. All right, my elite friends. Check out all the links below. Speaking about coronavirus, we'll talk about it a little bit today. But Friday show, This Week in Bitcoin, uh, Tai Zen was on, and Luis in the Philippines, and Leo in Hong Kong, and they gave, oh, they talked about what's going on in Asia in terms of uh, the virus, and uh, check it out. I'm going to be in Las Vegas, February 22nd for Tone Vases Unconfiscatable. Hope to see you there. All right. Roman Q says, don't FOMO on alts. Of course, don't FOMO on alts. How could anyone FOMO on alts the day of the, today, a day like today, you you fiat freaks. I didn't even know the price until quite recent. I mean, I was had to walk to synagogue today and do all of that stuff. So, um, but you know me, I don't. I'm not a price checker. I, I, my state of mind is a Bitcoin for me. If you're going to ask me fiat value, oh, I mean, it's, it's already twenty thousand dollars. Of course, if it if it hit it already, it's one day closer to returning to that all time high, baby. So. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really care if it's 10 or nine or whatever. Having hype, baby. So let us talk about, uh, let's, let's go beyond Bitcoin now. Enough, enough of that talk. Uh, if you've got questions, type in Bitcoin Meister like Roman Q did, or you can do a super chat. So I see it in the chat. You like this shirt? Bit piggies, my buddy, Jim. That's for you, man. All right, so I often talk about uh, when you're on YouTube that a lot of people just blindly go where YouTube tells you to, where the algorithm does some recommended videos, and that's it. You don't check out the links underneath the video. You don't talk. You don't check out the people that are guests on the shows. Same thing with Twitter. You might like a tweet, and they talk about someone. You won't. You won't check it. You won't check it out. But that's, and that's like the 80 percenter way. You can't be a slave to the algorithm. And I'm not, a, and I often talk about on this show how I'm not a slave to the algorithm. So the great uh, Yaron Brook had a show on the other day, and I linked to it below. Everything I talk about in this video is linked to below. About, and he talked about a guy named Aaron Hoffman. And I was like, who, who's Aaron Hoffman? 
So Yaron Brook doesn't even bother to link to the dude. So I do my own research. I look up Aaron Hoffman on Twitter. Uh, oh, he did. He did uh, say the maybe he'd linked. To, I don't think he linked to him. He he talked about the URL, his blog URL, which is summation.net. So okay, the long long and short of the deal is I check out Aaron Hoffman, and this is a dude I link to him below. You got to check him out because it's going to expand your mind. Okay, he brings up this concept called. The elite with no savings. Tunes, T-E-W-N-S. And I've kind of alluded to people like this before. They're the fuel that they that they, they're keeping up with the Joneses. Okay. These people, like in the top two percent of income in the United States, not the top percent, but the top the percent right below that. Okay. They are envious of all the people around them. They have to keep up with everyone around them. They're living in San Francisco, New York, Seattle, the most expensive areas with freaking billionaires, with one percenters. So they do everything they freaking can. They spend every last penny they make, okay, trying to keep up with the Joneses, the one percenters who are a lot richer than them. Um, and by the way, these, these two percenters, they're, they're darn rich. They're making 300K a year. Who knows? The wife and the and the, and the, the husband, they both work. Uh, but these are the people that because they spend, this keeps the dollar going, dudes. Okay. This is the fuel. They're keeping up with the Joneses. And for all you people like, oh, the dollar's going to go away. These people value their wealth in dollars. Okay. And they got a lot of dollars. They keep circulating those dollars. They're into debt up there to the yin yang. They are elite incomes, but they have no savings whatsoever. They're living day to day here. It is a weird, it's a weird thing. They're living like poor people. Well, in one sense, they, they've got a lot of stuff, but if something horrible, if they get a big bill, they're in trouble. They're in trouble like someone that's broke. Okay. So um, yeah, lots of irrational decisions. And that's what keeps the welfare dollar alive anyway. Uh, the people spend, spend, spend all about irrational decisions. Uh, so these guys, these tombs, they got the big houses. They pay the high taxes. They could so, and, and and they are going crazy in their heads. They're willing to vote for Bernie Sanders. They think people like that are going to solve their problems when, in fact, they can solve their own problems. All they have to do is move All they are, or just stop keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, it costs a lot to live in the San Francisco Bay Area, all right? And it costs – some of these people could get high-paying jobs. They could move to Austin. They could move to Denver, wherever. And Yaron talks about this in his show. And this uh, – this Aaron uh, Hoffman also talks about this. And I've talked about this before also. But I, I like they've got – they've kind of made it more concrete here, just saying, you know, you got the top 1% and then the 1% below them. And, and that second percentile, man, some of those dudes have – are. <laughs> they're broke. They're broke. They spend every penny they get right up. The second they get it, they spend it. They got to, and they, I think there's a chart that goes over, you know, they're a typical uh, year, or, you know, with it, they, they, the spending on the private school, but at the same time, they're being taxed for the public school. Uh, so also in this, the video where I learned about Aaron, and we'll get back to Aaron in a second, Yaron Brook also interviews, I, I think he's talking about he talks to the virus guy in, in this one. Well, at least he talks he talks about the uh, coronavirus and how it's just 
Yeah, I don't think yeah, he doesn't interview the. Uh, I don't think he he doesn't interview the Johns Hopkins guy. He talks about the just how many conspiracy theorists and doomers are obsessed with the virus and how they're not experts in it, and that that's just just the state of the world uh, in in Iran's eyes today. There's just so many doomers and conspiracy theorists that just worry about everything instead of just getting on with their lives and being productive individuals. Everything is a conspiracy, he, he says. This, there's some people out there that think – and I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I mean I've talked about this all the time. These do – and we're t- we'll talk about zero hedge in a second. Uh, but t- these people just waste their time on these worrying about every little thing and that you know trying to go down these rabbit holes. And yeah, go, go waste your money. Go, go waste your time. You'll make no money and you'll live down in a little rabbit hole. You'll literally live in a hole. Okay, going back to uh, so, so it was a good video from uh, Yaron Brook in, in talking about doomers and introducing me to a guy who is the opposite of a doomer. This RN dude. If you if you go to his Twitter, link to below. Go to his uh, summation.net and and I link to specific blog posts. Link to below. Um, you'll learn a lot. The top two percent income. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I talked about that. The, the name of the article is Financially Drowning on $300,000 a Year. <laughs> oh, God. A, a, amazing, amazing uh, country we live in. Amazing time we live in. They spend every penny they have. Uh, so he, and something this Aran, Aran says, Aran, uh, Aran Hoffman, not to be confused with Andy Hoffman, down that like button, avoid balance. Seek greatness at one or two skills to get society's rewards. All people have very obvious flaws. Now, I don't know if you want society's rewards. I mean, to be financially rewarded. All people have very obvious flaws. Instead of spending massive amounts of energy on those flaws for the sake of balance, they should be doubling down on the things they are already very good at. Oh, I, I like that a lot, dude, because there are a lot of people that work nine to five jobs. They got these bosses that say, well, you got to be good in this. I want you doing well in this. You've got to be balanced. you got to be. And no, what they should be doing. First of all, you should be working for yourself. Find out your, your best two skills and run with them. You know, keep, don't worry about the other things. Don't try to be good at things that you're not good at. Be at the stuff you're good at. Just get better and better and better at that. And you'll love it. You'll be happier. You can start your own business. So he's, he's right on with that. Uh, this ba- balance, balance makes a person mediocre at a lot of things instead of great at only a few. What happens when you work on a bad skill? It becomes a mediocre skill. <laughs> Others already have competitive advantage and you are not likely to catch up. Culturally, we are pressured to improve in areas of deficiency in the pursuit of an imaginary balance. There's no one out there screaming at us to get better at what we are already good at. I am. I'm screaming at you to do that. Get better at what you're already good at. Even customary employee performance reviews revolve around identifying areas of weaknesses in an employee with the subsequent goal to improve in those areas. God, I'm glad I don't work for anyone but myself. Uh, Bitcoin overlay, baby. After all the hard work to improve a bad skill, what are you left with? A mediocre skill. And uh, the best improvement strategy is to focus not just on your strengths, but on just one or two strengths. Focus, focus, focus on making your strongest traits even stronger. 
especially once you are over 30 and you have more of a clear assessment of your skills and ability. And that's a good, uh, that's a good addendum there. All right. So that's enough of this dude. Um, I'm going to read more about Aaron Hoffman. He's got uh, it opened my mind a little bit there. And uh, again, I only have found out about him because I go to a video. I don't, I don't go where that video tells me to go to next. I don't go where YouTube tells me to go to next. I actually listen to the video. I understand what the man is saying. I hear what he's talking about. And then I go to the, the recommended person he's talking about. So again, I make it easier than, uh, than Yaron Brook does. I give you all the links to go to. So there's no excuse to not check out the link to things that I'm talking about. I mean, again, so, but a lot of you will just go to like the next video that's recommended, like altcoin genius says Monero to a million. You'll click on that because of the uh, fancy sets and graphics and the clickbait. I mean, that's a shame. That's a shame there are people like that. But those that's the difference between a long-term thinker and just an 80%er that just clicks on clickbait and doesn't want to learn anything, has no plan, has no no system at all. Just go impulsively decide, oh, I'm going to buy this today. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to waste this today. All right. So you know who I prefer, baby. Pound that like button. Long-term thinking, baby. All right. So let's talk about uh, being in motion. A lot. I, I've seen these empty malls pop up for years now. <laughs> the, the empty mall thing is a, a huge, a big trend. I mean, and then they knock them down. Owings Mills Mall was the most glorious mall in, in uh, Baltimore County once, right? And now it, they knocked it down because it became a, a ghost mall. Well, or an em whatever you want to call it. Well, there's an article at Yahoo. And I've, I've thought to myself, I'm like, what can people do with these empty malls? I mean, this is something for the golden age. And here's something beautiful from Yahoo News of all places. Ghost kitchens are opening in these malls. Now, what, a, what is a ghost kitchen? It's a, it's a kitchen that serves a delivery establishment, okay? If you're just running a delivery business, I mean, who cares where your kitchen is? You, you'll make it you'll, – you'll put your kitchen in the lowest cost of uh, – to do business type of location. And at those abandoned malls, they've got all sorts of, you know, the food court where you used to hang out or whatever. <laughs> at the, at the, <laughs> they still, well, the kitchens are still in the food court at the freaking chicken place. You could just make it into your, where you do, where your deliveries are based from. No, I, I don't buy, I don't believe in buying, having food delivered to you, but all in these hipster trendy cities and everything, all these lazy hipsters, they can't make their own food. So they need these uh, trendy delivery services that, to make food for them. Well, this makes it cheaper, at least, if they uh, put them in these malls and that they're putting these ghost kitchens in these malls. So I, I, for me, I, I can't wait to see what else they do with these uh, malls. Well, besides knock them, they're going to mostly knock them down, but there's it might be cheaper to do things like this. I, who, who knows? I, I, it's a golden age. But maybe put Bitcoin mining facilities in them. Uh, something to do with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in these abandoned malls. I don't know. I, I, I can't come up with it. I've tried to think of things when I'm, I'm running sometimes. So that's inspirational. Golden age, baby. I love it. I love being in the 2020s. I love being freaking alive, baby. All right. So uh, and going back to that Aaron uh, dude, he says, you know, focus, focus, focus on your skills on your top two skills, just focus in general, people just focus in general. And, uh, there's so many distract you in, in Bitcoin, in Bitcoin, you, that's one of your skills, right? People, if you're here, you love Bitcoin, at least focus. Don't get distracted by the noise. I mean, the, the, I mean, and someone the other day just said, yeah, what do you think about what, uh, 
what uh, Fake Toshi said the other day. Well, who cares what Fake Toshi said? I mean, if you care, if you actually, I don't know what he said the other day. If you know what he said the other day, you're not focused on Bitcoin, okay? All right, we got uh, Cass8 in the uh, chat says, Golden Age, did you think there will eventually be some DeFi airdrops to Bitcoin holders? Dude, there will be some type of gimmick with DeFi and Bitcoin and Ethereum that will involve some sort of coin either being given away on Ethereum or Bitcoin, airdrop, fork. Who knows? They There's so many trendy words there, <laughs> trendy buzzwords that you can rip out of DeFi. You know, all DeFi really is, by the way, is just, well, one huge aspect of it right now is just someone with an Ethereum smart contract. Uh, you give them Ethereum. You buy Ethereum. You let them hold Ethereum and they give you interest on it, okay? And they say it's not going to go anywhere and it's going to do all these magical things because of Ethereum. That's really what DeFi is. It's these. And since it's, it's decentralized finance, it's not – no one really holds it, although someone created it. I mean, whatever. But so, yeah, I, I think someone will come up with some DeFi-related crypto dividend, It's and it really won't be DeFi, just like DeFi really isn't DeFi. At the same time, I have no problem with the Ethereum DeFi people at all uh, with what – you know, I, I, I think two videos ago, it was on Thursday, I mentioned Chris – Chris in New Jersey. What's Chris's last name? Um, he's in he's in Jersey City, uh, and he or he's in Hoboken. He overlooks Manhattan, wherever he, Chris is. And he was actually he's an Ethereum fan now, and he was pointing out the problems with the DeFi that these uh, <laughs> they you have to trust the people who are putting these DeFi projects together. They can run away with the Ethereum, um, and uh, he would like it to become more decentralized. What's Chris's last name? She's a whiz. Anyway, he's linked to below. Enough of that. Well, well, there you go. You got a little bit of Beyond Bitcoin. We got into Ethereum there for a second. Let's let's get out of a Beyond. Let's get Beyond cryptocurrency. You guys are here uh, to hear about the uh, here politics. You know, big big. Speak about wasting your time. But uh, there is. I, I noticed on Twitter before I went live. Now I haven't watched this TV show. Uh, Literally in decades, I was I, not in this decade, not in the last decade, uh, maybe in the 2000s, like maybe the, I watched it, maybe in the 90s. I don't know the last time I watched it, when I was a kid, I don't know. Uh, but Saturday Night Live, uh, there's a the white Obama they talked about tonight, and they're talking about Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, who is now like uh, it seems like the mainstream part of the Democratic Party might might get behind him. And so this whole uh, white Obama hashtag is kind of a joke. But at the same time, uh, I think he should run with it, to tell you the truth, because he is trying to be the white Obama. He, he, he's, the way he speaks, he, he's different. He's new. Obama wanted to be the first black president. Uh, Pete Buttigieg wants to be the first gay president. Uh, he's young. He's, mu he's much younger than Obama, much younger than Obama was. Pete Buttigieg was born in freaking 1982. Uh, I believe that would make him the youngest president ever if he – no, no, no. I, I don't know who. What was? How old was uh, Teddy Roosevelt when he became president? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But Pete, Bu if Pete Buttigieg becomes president of the United States, if he's born in 1982, 
uh, he will be in his 30s, his late 30s, which is ridiculously young for a president. Uh, uh, <laughs> whatever, but I mean, the law is you got to be over 35, so he'd be barely, uh, barely legal <laughs> in terms of becoming president. But yeah, he's he's definitely trying to become the white Obama. So why not why not just bring the joke out in the open and uh, just just say yeah, call him call him up. You're trying to be the white Obama, but in fact, saying white Obama probably will help you because apparently no black people are voting for Mayor Pete. <laughs> and so some might like him. Oh, he's the white Obama. I feel feel uh, I feel close to him that way. Now again, if you're a oh, such a large group as uh, African Americans, uh, it, it should be that. There are a lot of different opinions there. There are a lot of different opinions there. Uh, I, I don't want to say they all don't like Mayor Pete, uh, but there is a gen. <laughs> uh, there's there's something about Mayor Pete that uh, a lot of people don't think. Uh, well, anyway, uh, his his preference. Some people think that doesn't mesh well with uh, some religious African Americans, which would be. Uh, yeah, that, that's not that that wouldn't shock me, but but indi- come on, make make your decisions as individuals. Although, to tell you the truth, all you individuals out there, who you pick for president really doesn't matter. Make better individual uh, financial decisions. All right. So speaking about individual financial decisions that actually uh, deal with black people and uh, running for president, Tom Steyer is one of the billionaires running for president, and. He has spent an incredible amount of uh, money in South Carolina, all over the place. He's doing pretty well in South Carolina, which has a uh, very large uh, black population. And uh, the Democratic Party is uh, maybe mostly black in uh, South Carolina. I I don't know. Um, So first of all, I want to say about Tom Steyer buying votes in South Carolina. Basically, that's what he's doing because there is an article here. And I give these people a lot of credit for for publishing this article. It is – What's it called here? South Carolina lawmaker gets paid thousands from 2020 presidential hopeful. So there's a guy. There's a guy who's already got an office. Uh, I don't know what he is in the House of Delegates in South Carolina. A black guy, and he's taken like fifty thousand uh, dollars from Tom Steyer's campaign for various things. He owns a business. You know what? You know what it is. Tom Steyer is buying the guy. He, the guy has a lot of influence. He's buying the guy's influence. Okay, whatever. That's the way it works in politics. It's I have no problem with a billionaire freely giving out money, okay, and buying votes. What's what's the problem? What's the, what's what's wrong with that? It's better than me being taxed, okay, and me being forced to give my money to other people through welfare and all that stuff. Okay, he's giving free welfare out to people. If let me tell you something, if you're in South Carolina now, get in touch with the campaign. Get in touch with the campaign. He'll get he'll clothe you. He'll give you shirts. Maybe he'll give you he'll paint your car. I don't know what he'll do. Okay. I actually link to two people that work for his campaign uh, that I found just by Tom Steyer doesn't have many people following him on Twitter and like Twitter, it, it, it showed me in terms of one thing that Twitter can do, it, it shows you related accounts sometimes. And it showed me two people in his campaign. I'm like, well, there we go. Then, so I, I didn't contact them, but you can contact them. Uh, if you're a black person in South Carolina and you know who's a black person in South Carolina, it, it's hilarious. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he lives in South Carolina. Is a uh, BitConnect guy. I'm not going to say his name, but he's a, he's a black guy in South Carolina. He's a guy who would uh, do this in a second. Someone should tell him to go work for the Tom Steyer campaign. I, I think Tom Steyer would like a guy like that. He's got a lot of reach, doesn't he? 
<laughs> people, people bought, I mean, people believed the guy to buy BitConnect. That, and that was just blowing all their money. You know, voting for Tom Steyer is blowing nothing. It's just voting. I mean, what, what's the big deal? So I, 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 people are going to try to build up, but Tom Steyer is evil because he's a billionaire. No. So I have no problem with Tom Steyer being a billionaire at all. Uh, do, do I believe in any of his politics? No, not at all. Not at all. But I'm just telling you out there because politics is a complete joke. And so if you're in South Carolina, um, I think you can get some money from the, uh, Tom Steyer. He, he'll buy your vote. What's wrong with buying vote? I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see the whole thing. Um, it, 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 when, when there's nothing in the Democratic, and especially in the Democratic primary, like it's a primary. They can pick whoever they want to. It doesn't – he might get the most votes and they might say, well, no, you didn't really win. And this is who's going to win uh, at the convention. Okay, Your South Carolina delegates are going to this person. So what the heck? Why not let him try? Why not, why, why not let him blow billions? And again, it's better than me being forced uh, to, to, to pay through my taxes through uh, the, the programs that Tom Steyer wants to implement. He's not winning. Don't worry. Maybe he'll win South Carolina. I think that would be funny. I think that would make all these people panic a lot. It's hilarious. It's To, to me, it, it's all a big game, this, this politics stuff. There's no... There's so many more important things in life where, again, no, you shouldn't sell out for your your core beliefs in uh, uh, you know what you do, what you stand for. But uh, your vote in a primary that might not even count, and hey, you you might not even have to vote for the guy. You could just uh, get do advertisements on your channel or whatever. What's wrong with selling advertisements on whatever you do at your business, putting up a sign for him if he pays you to vote for if he pays you for the sign. And then great, you don't have to vote for him. I mean, again, he's not. I don't think he's an evil, dude. He's a billionaire, and I, I think billionaires should get the. Why, why should billionaires be silenced? If this is the way they speak through money, let them speak that way. All right. So Roman Q said, if I wanted to prepare for a future where there is a wealth tax that includes Bitcoin. Well, for, first of all, okay. What do you think about acquiring an affordable second passport today? Well, no, you, you, what you could do, you wouldn't even need that at, at this point. Um, that, that would be something to avoid it. But I thought about it. There was a wealth tax. First of all, they, they're going to have to tell you how much wealth you have. Do, they, do you think they know how many Bitcoin you have? Really? Do you think they know that? All your Bitcoin. I'll believe a wealth tax on my Bitcoin when I see it. Okay. When for, so if one day in the future, you know, uh, what's her face becomes uh, president, uh, Warren becomes president, and all they say we're implementing this wealth tax, well, they're gonna have to tell me how much wealth I have, and then they're gonna send me the bill. And then I'll say to myself, well, wait a second, if I don't like it, which I probably won't, I'll be just like, bye, I'm going to Israel, I'm never coming back, <laughs> and that's it. I don't need a second passport. Or I'll go wherever, Israel, Uruguay, where, and I'm never coming back. And then they'll, they'll say, oh, well, well, we'll take all your assets now because you always have, but I have no assets in the United States. Because remember, I don't own a house and I don't own a, all this other nonsense. And I don't want to have, I'll clear out the bank account. I don't have much in the bank account anyway. My wealth is a Bitcoin. So I just start anew in wherever country, it, be it Israel, be it Uruguay, be it South Africa, wherever I want to go. Or multiple, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, but never go back to the United States. That's it. So will I need a second passport? Not with money. <laughs> well, with the, maybe I'll buy one. I don't know. But with money, you you could go from place to place, be a 
and you know, you talk to a government official in one of these countries and you know, make a little deal with them and he'll, he'll let you, depending on how, you know, just to, there's a lot of different ways you can go with it. But when you got money, um, there's really no limit. There's nothing to really worry about. So now, I, but I, I do not think we're going to get to that point. I don't think we're going to get to a wealth tax. I don't think we're going to get to a wealth tax. And, you know, it's funny. I, I meant to bring this up a few times and I've, I've sort of touched on this. A lot of people out there who, who think the government controls everything. The government is so knowledgeable. The government has these conspiracies. The government's going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, you know what the government is? If you want to see the government, and this is not, again, you, you can imagine what it's like, or you can go down to the DMV and see how the government works and see who works for the government. Huge obese women who have diabetes, who are living off of the, who got government health plans, who keep eating at the DMV, eating the Dunkin' Donuts and everything. That's the people you're scared of. Do you think those people, and that's the majority of government. Do you think they're going to be able to accurately be able to do a wealth tax even? To do that, I mean, I'm not too worried about. It. I'm not too worried about. I'm not too worried about the government. Uh, those of you who are like, oh, the government has made the, they planned 9 11. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. The lay, okay, sure they did. Sure they did. That's the government. This is, you see, you could have reality on the ground and go to other government offices. It's worse. It's, it's similar, worse, similar, whatever. They don't do anything. They don't do any work. They, they couldn't conspire if they, uh, if they, they couldn't dream of a conspiracy or anything like that. All right, so essay says uh, African-Americans are not monolithic. No, they're not. Just as whites like uh, different candidates, blacks like different candidates too. Yes, I, I agree. Would make more, more sense you saying evangelicals might not like Pete. Yeah, well, <laughs> evangelicals do not like, probably do not like Pete. No, they, they don't. Um, but uh, there is, you know, sometimes... In voting, there's a lot. Okay, let me tell you something. African Americans are not monolithic. African American voters are more monolithic than African Americans. Just as like, uh, it, it just the voting class tend to make decisions based on group think. Okay, and I, there have been times in. Uh, major elections in, in New York City uh, and in, in the United States even where there's just tremendous amounts of the uh, percentages of, of the black population will vote for the black candidate. Um, not 100%. Though. It's not It's not 100%. Not, nothing is 100%. You're right. Monolithic is 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 good. And, and I, I've made this same co co complaint about Jewish people. Liberal Jewish people uh, will always vote for a Democrat. It may, it's horrifying. It's horrifying, but it's not Jewish people in general. It's not, if, you, if you look at the numbers, Jewish people, it's like 70% of Jewish people, 75% of Jewish people voted for Obama or something like that. But of those, I mean, like <laughs> there were no conservative Jewish people that, that voted for a few conservative Jewish people that voted for Obama. It, 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 it's sad. And I, I, I'm Jewish, obviously. So I, I'm willing to point it out. In, in my own people that, uh, you know, or the, the, the ethnic group that I am classified as being in, that they make some stupid decisions, <laughs> just blind decisions. Why do all liberal Jewish people vote for, uh, they, they would vote for Ilhan Omar. They would vote for Ilhan Omar. <laughs> they would. I mean, it, it, it's such a, <laughs> just, that, that, that's why I like, that's why politics is such a joke. That's why it's such a joke because people do, 
the voting class is bad and the voting mentality is bad. The voting, the whole voting mentality is sickening. All right. Um, let's see. Vention says, Roman Q, if you want to target a comments to someone, use the at symbol like this at Bitcoin. So, <laughs> sorry for the first alarm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Vention didn't want to get my attention. He was just actually giving advice there, <laughs> but it, but it turned colors, man. He took it to the next level there. <laughs> All right, so I linked to that Tom Steyer thing, and you can just check it out if you want. So, by the way, if, if you really are like in love with Donald Trump and you you really want him to win, and you want to waste some time in your life on social media, then this is what I advise you to do. This is kind of funny. Be a fake Bernie bro online. Just spreading disinformation, just saying, yeah, Bernie's awesome. Oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z because that would like break apart the Democratic Party and then they will have no chance. Like Bernie would run as a third party candidate and uh, that would be it. If Bernie Sanders, because some of his people are so fanatical, like they are, it's Bernie or bust, which is really sad and scary in, in a sense because what he stands for is, is communism. <laughs> but they're people that, you know, they want an easy solution to their problem. And uh, so, yeah, I, I noticed some conservative conservatives out there are taking this approach in, in social media too. They're doing it kind of uh, not up, not in your face, like that Jack Plasovic dude who I do not watch, but I saw one thing of his. Um, he's like, yeah, corporate Pete, corporate Pete stole from Bernie, corporate Pete. Cor he kept on saying corporate Pete. I mean, there's nothing wrong with corporations, okay? There's nothing, but what he's doing there is he's he's making all the Bernie people angry. He's getting them. He, he's he's basically pretending. Well, he's not pretending to be a Bernie person, but he's he's riling riling them all up to to get them angry. So so there'll be a big split, et cetera, et cetera. So one last political thing to show you how crazy it can get out there. In um, the the president of the city council of Baltimore is running for mayor. There's a lot of people running for mayor. His name is Brandon Scott. Well, there's an article below where he's about to go to a debate and a person who, a person who works for the Sheila Dixon campaign comes up and punches him, tries to start a fight with him. This is Baltimore, people. The, 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 and so he was calm about it. He didn't file charges until after the debate. He didn't want to cause a scene beforehand. And I'll give Sheila Dixon credit who, you know, she was mayor once, but she got kicked out from being mayor because she was a criminal. And, um, well, she fired the guy from her campaign who punched the city council president. That was good. She said the right stuff. What Wild stuff in Baltimore. But I will say this. If you are interested in Baltimore politics, one of the interesting thing is, is, like, you can actually meet Brandon Scott. Like, you can go and, like, email him and find out where he's going to be and then just talk to him and he'll talk to you. Same thing with Sheila Dixon, who's a famous criminal and former mayor. She'll talk to you, too. She's not as nice, but um, she'll fake it, I guess. All right, pound that like button. want to talk about uh, coronavirus real quick. One thing that Leo brought up on my show on Friday, in, as it spreads in China, I don't think it's going to spread in the United States. I believe what Carl, I believe what Carl Denninger said that it's being spread mostly through fecal matter, through people being filthy and fecal matter. I don't think it's that airborne. I think here in the United States, we're very clean. We all go in the toilet. We all have toilet paper, et cetera. In China, there are some beautifully modern cities, 
but there are a billion people in that country and some people live in complete squalor. And that's part of the reason that it's spreading. It, it might disrupt India too. It might some other countries, but you know, Tizen hasn't seen it in Vietnam and um, Luis hasn't seen it in the Philippines. And those can be kind of third world too. I mean, they, 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 they definitely are. So I don't know how, what exact, how bad this is going to get in Asia. I do know in the, I, I'm, pretty confident in the United States, we're not going to have any problems, nothing major, but supply chain disruption, supply chain disruption, definitely, uh, because they are shutting down cities in China. People aren't able to go to work anymore. So we're not going to get all the stuff we usually get at Walmart as fast. This could cause uh, some economic issues. It's good, probably good for Bitcoin. It, it will be good for Bitcoin. And uh, Friday's show, he, uh, Leo is a smart dude in Hong Kong. He, by the way, he said in Hong Kong, there are like very few cases, but everyone is wearing masks out on the street. He said it's hundred percent people wearing masks out on the street of Hong Kong. Uh, but he, he's, he's got some great analysis of the, you know, how it might affect Bitcoin. So I wouldn't be, you know, we just went back to Bitcoin. It's supposed to be beyond Bitcoin. Show, but I'm talking coronavirus. So guys, don't freak out about coronavirus if you're in America. Don't freak out. If it does come here and it does start spreading, okay, then we're going to worry. We're going to we're going to take it. We're men here. We can handle it. We will be clean. We shall see. Play by ear. Don't go crazy yet. But uh, you might not get your stuff at uh, Walmart as fast, and it might go up in price. Who knows? Uh, China might have to print more currency. That might be good for uh, for the uh, for Bitcoin also. Uh, let me, all right. Benson said, Bitcoin Meister supply disruption. You, st uh, you're starting to sound like a prepper. No, I'm not sounding like a prepper at all. Adam, come on, Adam, join on the doom. No, never. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm saying Walmart might not have stuff. How's that prepping? I don't need a thing from Walmart. If Walmart doesn't have, uh, a $5, uh, bucket, you'll just get the one from Europe that's $6 or what. I mean, it's like. No problem. It's but it, some people just it, it's it's going to affect China. Is what I'm saying. They, they, they they're going to lose money. They're not they're not going to be able to sell it. And uh, it, it's just nah, it's not a prep. It's not, I don't know why a prepper would be even worried about uh, not not getting something at Walmart. You know, but you know some of the the people on their scooters at Walmart. Yeah, they're going to be angry. But man, it's not going to supply chain, uh, dude. It's not. The supply chain that's being disrupted are supplies that we do not need. Okay, <laughs> there, there we go. That that that's that's the best way of saying it. So uh, a, a prepper is is paranoid about not having food. That, that there's no food is delivered anymore. Oh, well, luckily I got a stash of a year's food here. Ha ha! I've been preparing for this for so long. Oh, thank God! I'm so happy that things are going wrong. Look, I get to use my canned food. Look, look. <laughs> That, yeah, that's no, that's not happening. <laughs> the food, food supply in the United States of America, no, not being affected. That that uh, supply chain is being affected. All right, so let's go to uh, hey, having having some extra canned food on hand, it, it, it doesn't hurt anyone. Um, but being your uh, lifelong dream for uh, to be able to use your stash that you've you've had for so long because something catastrophic has happened that's sickening. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just sickening. Uh, so, but there are a lot of people like that. A lot of doomers. They uh, they like uh, zero hedge. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, so, be careful about what you 
some guys like Scott Adams make things appear like so obvious. Like he'll talk about something and he'll, he'll talk a really big game about it. That's part of his persuasion thing. He'll talk really strong language and like, this is the greatest of all time. And it makes it, how could you disagree? It's so obvious, blah, blah, blah. Now with Scott Adams, one thing that we've talked about here with him, he hates China with a passion to a point where he has little hissy fits where he starts cursing about it. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing um, when he does that. Now, the reason he hates China is because he, has a, he had a stepson who unfortunately died from an overdose of fentanyl. And so he blames China. And again, this was not his own son. He married a woman who already had a son. Now he's divorced from that woman. And now he's about to marry another woman um, who has children also, um, who is the same age as I think the woman, his previous woman, when he married that woman, like a, a woman in her early 30s. He's a man in his 60s. And he, you know, he already has been divorced and had a horrible thing happen with a stepchild that's completely affected his life. And now he's going to go through the same thing again. So, you know, be careful who you, but, but he does have some good ideas out there, but I, I want to say this. So about China. So keep in mind that he hates China and he likes to say outrageous things about China. So you hate China also. So he says that they built, all of you by now have heard in that province, they built this hospital like in two weeks, a gigantic hospital, really fast. They built it real fast to treat this disease. Okay. To put everybody in this hospital, state of the art hospital. And he says, obviously, they didn't just build it for this. They're not just going to let it rot afterwards. They're going to use it on the Uyghurs to use their, take their body parts out and sell them. Now, I want to make this clear. What, what China has been accused of doing with some of their people, uh, killing people to take body parts because they're minorities, that is horrible. That is the worst, the worst type of thing to do. So I do not support that at all. Um, now, do I think China would build a hospital to treat this disease now, to take care of this situation? Because they got a situation there with this disease. Because it's a filthy disease, it's a filthy country, and they they, they got to take care of it. And then they don't they they're not thinking what they're going to use it for the future. I, I think not only right what Scott Adams said, there's no way that they they just they built it just for this. They just wouldn't let it rot. You know what came to my mind right away? 2008 Summer Olympics in China. I linked to the article below. It's 10 years since China hosted the 2008 Summer Olympic Games. A decade later, many of the celebrated Beijing venues and structures used for the competition are abandoned. Many were purpose-built for the games. Infamously, residents were rehoused and buildings were bulldozed to make room for the structures. Photographer Greg Baker captured the eerie relics in a series of recent photographs. Now, this story is from 2018, but still, I think you got my point. Yes, China does build things for one-off reasons. They actually kick people off their land to build these things, and then they use it once, and they let it rot for 10 years. And you can see the pictures below. So, Scott, I understand you're angry about what happened, and uh, no – but people, be careful what you believe to be obvious. When someone tells you something's very obvious, uh, that no, of course China wouldn't just build a hospital to just house the people and then let it rot. They built the whole freaking Olympic stadiums that you can see below, and they've rotted for 10 years. A government like that, 
freedom, dude. When you got freedom, you got to take into consideration. You do things logically. They don't do things logically. Logic to them, and it is logical. Take care of this disease now. We're worried about the building later, okay? All right, so Zero Hedge got banned from got banned from Twitter. Now, I, I think Zero Hedge is ridiculous. And I'm going to read you some tweets about Zero Hedge real fast. Do I think they should have got banned from Twitter? No. Why? I mean, there's a lot of people saying ridiculous things, making up doom stories and stuff. Well, I mean, people should be grownups and be able to tell what's real and what's not. Re- if they want to be addicted to doom, then they can be addicted to doom. But uh, the other side of the thing is uh, Twitter is a private company, so they can ban whoever they want to. So, um, But if, if, I was, if I was in charge over there, I uh, would just you know, let whatever. I wouldn't. I would have no problem with them if I. If I, it, it, it seems like they're, they're picking on Zero Hedge, which, which they probably are. Okay, whatever they are. But uh, Z- Zero Hedge is still, despite so Zero Hedge is being uh, picked on by uh, Twitter. They're being made an example of. At the same time, they're, they're still Zero Hedge is ludicrous. Now back in the day, and someone pointed this out in, in a comment section I was reading. It seems like Zero Hedge had a change of ownership at one time. Because they didn't, they used to be as insane as they are now. I mean, it's just clickbait now. So I'm going to read you what, and I I retweeted this. I retweeted both these, I think. This is from Arjun, who's been on my show before. Zero Hedge once hosted well-reasoned heterodox views, but eventually devolved into conspiracy, into conspiratorial blog spam. That is such a good term for what that stuff is. Conspiratorial blog spam. The rabid defense from readers is incredible dissonance. You have to wonder how many missed the rally of a lifetime after DDoSing their brain with a cop with apocalypse porn. <laughs> Still, I, I don't think they should have been banned, but he really um I couldn't say. Yeah, they have DDoSed people's brains with apocalypse porn. And because of that, all these people have missed out on Bitcoin. They missed out on all sorts of things. Just waiting for the end, waiting for the apocalypse, must prepare. Zero Hedge said this. And the, the, the people that send me Zero Hedge articles, all the, I don't even click on their articles because it, it slows down my computer so much. I, I, they got some adverti- weird advertising thing that messes with my computer. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's drivel. So here um, – Nick Carter said, real talk, Zero Hedge was drivel most of the time, but I'd much rather stomach their occasional nonsense uh, than allow Twitter to install BuzzFeed as the gatekeeper of discourse. So I, I agree with that. I don't think they should uh, they should go in that direction where they, they, they're basically – they're not literally doing this, but – uh, BuzzFeed as the gatekeeper of discourse. No, I, I don't want BuzzFeed telling me what's true, what's not true, what what should be seen, what should not be seen. Let let the, let the doomers at Zero Hedge have their say, and let the public. I mean, if people want to waste their time on that noise, good, good for them. It gives people who are focused and who have long term thinking uh, more opportunity. There's less competition. Compete, don't complain. Those people are complaining, worrying about Zero Hedge. Worrying about, you know, what's what's the next Doom Lie article Zero Hedge comes out with. And meanwhile, I'm buying Bitcoin. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. They're not driving up the price of Bitcoin. Oh, I'm not buying. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm getting Bitcoin because, you know, I don't buy Bitcoin now. I just get the crypto dividends turned into Bitcoin. 
So I, I, I bought Bitcoin for years and years back in 2016 when they were all worrying about uh, whatever uh, whatever Zero Hedge was lying about Bitcoin then or whatever. And some people are like, well, no, Zero Hedge is great with Bitcoin. And oh, sometimes they do say good things about Bitcoin. Sometimes they say absolutely ridiculous things about Bitcoin. So if you're a big Zero Hedge believer and you're, what's good, it's bad, it's good, what should I do? Good, bad, good. You end up doing nothing. You're paralyzed. You're DDoSed. Uh, <laughs> your brain is DDoSed with apocalypse porn. Okay, so uh, Ron Brook is taught, people ask, often ask about, uh, try to compare different political systems. Uh, what's the, the political system of Sweden and Norway versus the United States versus Germany? Um, how socialist are they? Which one's better? Uh, and then we have people that say, let's bring socialism to America because it's so great in Sweden. Well, how do you judge how great a system is? Because the, the system in America is not pure capitalism at all. There's socialism involved in America too. So a lot of people, Yaron Brook points out, and I linked to this video below. This video just came out. I haven't watched the whole thing because it was just live today before I went live. He points out that a lot of people try to say, well, you, you judge the system on uh, the poorest of the people. That in Sweden, there are, it, it's not the same as the streets of LA or the streets of San Francisco. That you don't that the poor are are better off there, and he says that's not how you judge a system. You judge it by how well a person who wants to succeed can do. A healthy, a healthy, hardworking individual, ambitious person, and he says middle class, but I don't like I don't like saying middle class. And he says by far it, the United States is the best. If you if you want to be successful and you're a hardworking, ambitious individual, you're going to be able to do better in the United States economic system than in the German, than in the Swedish, than in Norway, than in Canada, than a lot of places. He doesn't name, those are just some of the ones. He, I don't think he named Canada, but I, I believe it's better. Than, that, so that's how you judge how good a system is. Now, some people say, uh, well, if you're a hardworking, uh, ambitious, uh, healthy individual, you do better in Singapore. You'll do better in Singapore than the United States. That might be bad. That might be true. Maybe their system is better. I don't know, but uh, I, I will say this. Uh, you're going to do better as, a, as an ambitious person in the United States than in Sweden and then in Norway. In Norway, I, I know a Norwegian – he's watching right now probably. For a fact, uh, they get taxed. So they have a real wealth tax there. They've got all sorts of taxes. So you're, you think you're doing well. You're not doing well. You lose it all, and it's very demoralizing. They're not – so companies leave. There are not as many opportunities. And he moved to a country outside of Europe, and he's doing great. And, and, and it's hardcore competition where he, he's at also. All right, so don't let people fool you and say, well, there's a, look at how the poor are treated in, in Sweden as, as opposed to – and in Norway as opposed to in the United States. No, that's not how you – so the system is better. So let's bring the system to the United States. No, 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 no. They're not – who cares how, how the people who are not trying or the, uh, the people that are not able-bodied, how they're doing, okay? That's not how you judge the system as a whole. You judge the system uh, by the people who are trying and that are, that are healthy, that are ambitious. So I, I like that. I, I like that approach by uh, Yaron Brook there. And what is this? Well, speaking of Canada, but we just mentioned Canada. Um, how long has the show been going on, by the way? Let me check something out here. I see someone's got a – Roman Q says something. Oh, 51 minutes. I got to wrap this thing up soon, man. 
All right, let's let's go. Roman Chu says, have you ever had a Beyond Bitcoin guest on the show? Yeah, the Bitcoin rabbi. If not, would you ever consider having a guest on the Saturday show? Yes, but, but of course, I had. He's been on it twice. Bitcoin rabbi has been on it twice, and feels like I might. Did I do something else another time? But yeah, I've thought about uh, having uh, someone on before. I've actually. I'm going to tell you right now who I thought about having on, um, and who I might be able to get on. Let me see if you guys would like. You know how I just mentioned that guy Brandon Scott, who's the city council president of Baltimore City, who got punched before a debate. I, I thought about inviting him on the show on a Saturday show. Not because a lot of people from Baltimore are, are watching. I think he well he could use the he could use the video for promotional materials. Every vote counts there, and um, every penny counts. And I think uh, I want to be a mayor, a mayoral candidate in Baltimore would come on just uh, because they think, oh, this Bitcoin guy, maybe I'll be able to raise some money on a show or something. I don't know. So yeah, I, I thought about having guests on that are just. Uh, I think he'd be a fun guy. I, I I've met Brandon. I mean, he knows who I am and everything. He follows me on Twitter. Um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a young uh, he's the city council president. He's what he's born in 1984, so. What's that make him? Uh, he's he's thirty five years old, and he's been. I mean, he's been on city council since he's been in his twenties. But again, let's not put people on a pedestal or whatever. But I, I thought I'd bring some Baltimore politics uh, to 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 the world here, just to, to show him uh, how wacky things. And that was before he got punched. I was thinking about him uh, being on the show. I have it written down right here. I, and he's also since he's a young guy, I was going to ask him about how he could bring Bitcoin into Baltimore, into Baltimore city. That was what my main thing was going to be. I don't know if he's prepared for such a question. All right. But uh, inter interesting question there, Roman Q. It is definitely, uh, definitely something I thought of. I don't know. Do you guys want me to bring on a candidate for mayor uh, for the mayor? I mean, Baltimore is a major city in the United States where it was, <laughs> it's a major metropolitan area in the United States. How about that? And uh, because now like El Paso, Texas, which is a pretty boring place, by the way, but whatever, they're cool. Um, the city of El Paso has more people than the city of Baltimore now. But that the metropolitan region of Baltimore is much larger than the metro region of El Paso. And I'm pretty sure the city of El Paso has more. I, someone might say, oh, well, according to this census, Baltimore has more. Eventually, if it hasn't happened yet, and I'm pretty sure it has happened, the city of El Paso has more people than the city of Baltimore. But and if you're and if you're mayor of Baltimore, you're only in charge of the city of Baltimore, not the whole metro region. The metro region of Baltimore is is quite large uh, compared to El Paso, compared to many, many cities in the United States. I don't know where Baltimore ranks in metro area. It's top 20. I think it's top 20. But in city, in, in sadly, in, in city population, I don't know if it's still top 30. Even. So uh, Trudeau. In Canada, they they proposed this. This he's now backtracked. Uh, if you are a distributor of content in Canada, you need a license. How can anyone be taken at all seriously if they do not realize what a terrible idea this is? Free speech works. This will be proposed by a serious politician in the U.S. within a year. Okay, so what exactly are they talking about? Uh, the Trudeau liberals would have forced news websites to abstain government licenses to operate in Canada. <laughs> now, I don't know how they'd exactly enforce that, but I, I agree with the, the tweet that someone in the United States is going to suggest something that ridiculous soon. You need a license in order to have a news site in the United States or 
it was proposed. And again, I'm glad Trudeau backed off. It's ridiculous. I don't know how they would have even enforced it. Uh, but that is, dude, that you're cruising for that. You can never enforce. You can never enforce it. But it is ridiculous. You need a license. You need to be an officially government-sanctioned voice of news. <laughs> what is this, China, baby? All right, pound it. Pound that like button. We're almost done. I found out about a company called Astra. Speaking about the golden age, they make small rockets. And they actually, the article is from Bloomberg. It's linked to below. Uh, this is exciting stuff. Companies making small rockets, launching them, private rockets, launching them from a Kodiak, Alaska spaceport. I never heard of the Pacific spaceport before. Maybe it's going to get a lot more action. Kodiak, Alaska, shout outs to you. You don't get in the news much. I think it's so awesome that we're, we're already at a point in time here, and it's just 2020, where they're making smaller private rockets uh, to, to do whatever with satellites. I don't know what the heck they do with that stuff. But more power to those people. And uh, so, yeah, this is my uh, last Saturday in El Paso. I'll leave in here. I'm leaving here on Tuesday. So I'll be in L.A. starting Wednesday. I'm, I'm excited to get back to L.A. I do, I do love um, being in L.A. It's a wild, decentralized place. And if you're not in that mindless movie industry, entertainment industry, it's fun to kind of observe, observe it. And there is just a uh, – there's definitely a free mentality, a free vibe that you can feel there. Kind of can get crazy and dirty sometimes. And that's why being from Baltimore helps because you don't get freaked out by some of the things that you see out there. And no, I, I, and I don't like the, the homelessness that I see out there at all. That is, that is sad. That is something that you have to deal with. Uh, but uh, there's all sorts of wildness out there. And there's cool people that I know out there that are Bitcoiners. And there are people of all sorts of political persuasion. Some of them are, are quieter out there. You, you run into all sorts of free thinkers and interesting uh, people out there. Again, if you're in the entertainment industry, like so many people are, it can be a very, very lonely place. But for me, um, if you're in motion, you're meeting Orthodox Jewish people, you're meeting Bitcoin people. I mean, it's a big, awesome, uh, unique beast show. I was going to say freak show, but there are a lot of unique beasts in LA. How about that? So, and it's safer than Baltimore. And you know, at Baltimore, there's some interesting unique beasts too, but they're not in motion and they don't strive for greatness. And I think there are some, there's a vibe in LA, a unique beast vibe in LA to strive for greatness. Not everyone. There's some people that are just like total doomers and uh, paranoid and just blaming Trump for all their plot problems, et cetera, et cetera. But there is an undercurrent there, a very interesting undercurrent. And you, you get glimpses of it from like the Ben Shapiro people, Dave Rubin, you get, you know, I mean, you see some of the people that are, making original content uh, that's not like mindless liberal stuff out there on YouTube. They're in LA. They're in LA. Um, so there's, there's stuff going on. And so I will, I'll be, I'll be speaking at Long Beach. Um, when am I speaking in Long Beach? February 20th. So that that's real soon, but I'm, I'm happy to get, be back in LA. El Paso is a really relaxing place. There's not a lot going on here. It's really a low cost of living. So if you're broke, and you're living in an expensive city, move here, get a job here, the job's here. Um, or if you're traveling around, you want a new place to see, you want to see the border, you want to see, you learn things. And I met the, the great people at the Chabad in El Paso. They're really friendly. 
They're doing great things. Um, bye to them. Bye to all the people in El Paso. Um, it's been fun. And uh, on to LA, baby. On to the big city. My favorite big city in the United States. You know, you can only pick one of the three. Chicago, LA, or New York. I'd pick, uh, or again, okay, Houston for, I, I would pick, uh, I'd pick LA, baby. LA's, that, that's the kind of guy I am. I'm an LA, out of those four, I'm an LA dude um, from Baltimore. But of course, if you're, if you're an LA dude, you got to be from somewhere else originally. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so all this traveling around the world, you know, I'm picking my favorite cities. I love LA, Tel Aviv, and then uh, oh, somewhere in Australia, Sydney. I, I love going to cities, cities in Australia too. So there, there's, your, there's some travel tips for you people, but LA is expensive people. So is, uh, well, Sydney is expensive. Tel Aviv is expensive also. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I've saved so, and I, I can do them cheaper than most people. I can do it cheaper. I get how am I getting to LA? I'm taking a $19 bus from El Paso, and uh, it's good to explore these. Uh, it, the thing I've recommended on the show before if you're into if you want to do this Airbnb lifestyle that I'm doing, uh, moving from place to place, not having a house anymore, check out the third level cities like El Paso and Boise, and, and there and second level cities in in. in cheaper countries. It's fine. It's fine. And you never know what you're going to run into. All right. That's it. I rambled on a little bit at the end there. I hope I didn't skip anything. That was part of the reason I'm rambling on too. All right. Roman Q said, have you noticed any California transplants in El Paso? No, not in El Paso. Uh, but I know they're all over Austin and Houston and Dallas. I've heard a lot of them come here. Uh, in, in El Paso, the only uh, license place I see are Texas, New Mexico, and there's uh, some state in Mexico. I, 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 I see Mexican plates occasionally from the state that's right south of here. Someone said Atlanta, question mark. I've only been in Atlanta once when I drove to, a I've been in Athens, Georgia, more than Atlanta. And that, that was the reason I was in Atlanta, to go to Athens. And I don't know much about Atlanta. I don't have, I don't have a desire to go to Atlanta at all, really. Um, but no, I'm sure Atlanta's fine. It's got its issues and everything, but I, I really, I don't know if you, if, if someone gives me a reason, you know, says, Hey, we'll pay you to speak at this conference or we'll pay you to go there. I'll, ch I'll check it out and everything, but you can tell I'm, I'm starting to spend more and more time in certain cities. Again, I'm going to be three months in Tel Aviv soon, three months in Tel Aviv starting, uh, what, when are, April uh, 30th, yeah, April 30th to July 27th in, in Tel Aviv for those of you. Uh, interested in it, but I'm still again. I'm still going to other places too. I'm still seeing other places, but uh, I'm not settling down anytime soon. Don't worry about it. But it is easier on you to like stay at a place for three months instead of three weeks or three days. God forbid. Like that time I like I went to like what was it like three different continents in like two weeks or less than that. I went from Darwin to South Africa. To Argentina, Darwin, Australia. Oh, oh God, that wasn't good on me. All right, count that like on everybody. Uh, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, this from Meister. Uh, remember, subscribe to this channel, like this video, share this video. Check out all the links below. Bang that bell button. Okay, you fiat freaks. What's uh? I'm gonna check. Uh, I hope you fiat freaks are happy. Uh, we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. You get a new show here every day. Spread the word. Follow me on Twitter. And check out the link. Seriously, just don't be a mindless slave to the algorithm like so many people are. No fancy sets or graphics. See ya.